I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is a Dharma Realm podcast for September 24th, 2010, and today we talk about individual practice and practice in community. Uh, so last time we uh, had a kind of interesting discussion about uh, Buddhism and secular humanism, and we really only scratched the surface, uh, and we'd like to kind of pick that up again. And so today I think we're going to talk, uh, we're addressing something that came up last time. Uh, but also uh, looking at a, a kind of a completely different question, but that is related. And that is a question that we have um, addressed before, but we want to try to address again, but in a different way. And this is about people who are interested in Buddhism, people who maybe consider themselves Buddhist, uh, maybe even Jodo Shinshu Buddhist, uh, and yet do not live near a practice center. They don't live near a temple or a church or a fellowship or any kind of group of like-minded uh, Shinshu followers. And so I think that this is a big question for people. Um, maybe the internet has something to do with this, where uh, there's a lot more information available about Jodo Shinshu, uh, about Buddhism, and, uh, and yet people feel find that they are not near uh, other Buddhists or they haven't found kind of a... a, a uh, a group to uh, associate with, and so we'd like to um, talk about that uh, a bit too. But first, we want to kind of um, address something that came up in last time's podcast. Right. So uh, last time, uh, apparently, I, I said that um, the individual is not important in Buddhism at all. Um, which, that was in the context of the importance of the individual in American society. Right. 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 Um, I, I want to make some more nuanced statements about that. <laughs> um, Harry thinks I'm making a retraction, but I'm really not. Um, uh, the only thing that I wanted to say is that, uh, you know, there's a sort of rhetorical flourish in, in some things that I say occasionally. Um, and, and I don't really believe that, that the individual is not important at all in Buddhism. Rather, what I, I think is more appropriate to say is that you can you can look at approaches to religious or spiritual practice as being on a, on a spectrum almost, and mm -hmm. from one end of the spectrum is a completely sort of community-based practice where the individual's own interests are downplayed or not as important as the group interests or the community, uh, the community concerns. The community concerns and the relationships between people are much more important than any one in particular individual. That would be one extreme on that spectrum. And on the far other extreme of the spectrum would be the exact opposite, where the community concerns are not important at all, and it's really only the individual that's important. The individual practice, the individual uh, spiritual practice is what's most important. Um, so it, it seems to me that in post-Enlightenment era philosophy in Europe and America, the, it's that individual side that's really emphasized. Mm -hmm. that, that that's sort of the sort of normal mode of discourse. We more, more, the, the, more than often than not talk about individual concerns. And, you know, not that we don't talk about community concerns, but those aren't important as the individual concerns. 
Um, whereas it seems to me like in, in Buddhist philosophy, it's, it's kind of the opposite, where the community concerns are talked about more frequently than individual concerns. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it, you said, you know, on the, with your spectrum, you had first a spiritual kind of a spiritual continuum. But I think it, it works on a social level, too. I mean, already right, right, right. with this issue of secular humanism, we're not talking about spirituality necessarily. We're just talking about being in America right. um, and, you know, the, the importance of the individual versus uh, the importance of the, the larger um, social community or whatever. Um, and so, so I think that that's one of the tensions that we're dealing with in this yeah, whole yeah. Um, series of episodes about uh, Buddhism and, and secular humanism is uh, do they rub... Do they jive? Do they, right. do they, do they, are they kind of matching? Or are they critical of each other? Um, so, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I think the, the, the far side of the, the society is more important than the individual. I think the further extreme is, like, the scare that happened in Europe of, in America, the, the nameless, faceless Asians that all look alike, that they'd have, they're almost not human. I mean, it's, it's interesting, the, the portrayal of societies and just the teeming masses of, of, of Asians, right? And that, you know, they're, that they don't even, they're almost right, they're, not they're, human. They're, they're no, their individuality no doesn't yeah, even yeah. exist. They're just a teeming horde. Like the right? Borg. Like the Borg. Oh, interesting, yeah. Or the Huns, uh-huh. right? The, um, you know, the, the groups that came in to um, take over Europe or whatever, Um like the Japanese and the Chinese in early 20th century uh, in the United States. Um, you know, we can see different examples of it. Starship Trooper or Starship Troopers. The, um, well, I think the book is Starship Trooper. I don't know if it's plural or singular. And it's kind of interesting because, like, it's written in, like, 50s, 60s. Korean War is the kind of background to it. And the enemies are these arachnids. Right, but you can read it as a kind of an allegory for United States against the communists, mm-hmm. against the Asian communists, especially. You know, right, right, right. so so this issue of individualism and the role, of the in, the place of the individual, um, I think is actually has a lot of ramifications. Yeah, um, and th- that's one of the issues that comes up with Buddhism. Maybe is that sometimes Asian Buddhism gets portrayed as that kind of other um, strange. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, and, I, and I think there's a, a, a certain rhetoric and some kinds of Buddhism that play well to the idea of the individual practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was thinking about, um, there's a professor at uh, University of Hawaii named Helen Baroni who's doing work on the, um, the letters of uh, Robert Aiken, mm-hmm. the, the late Robert Aiken. Um, and she noticed that there's this, this whole batch of correspondence that he had with these, uh, what she calls... Uh, I think she calls them distant members or distant practitioners are these people that he wrote to or that actually wrote to him, people who lived in, you know, very far away from any Zen centers. This is back in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. when Buddhism was not as visible as it is today. And they would read his books and they would write him letters and say, you know, I live far away or for any variety of reasons I can't go to a practice center. Um, what do I do? Um, so apparently it, it looks like almost invariably um, Aiken would say to them, well, do whatever you can to get <laughs> to get to a practice center to mm-hmm. find to seek out um, a community. Mm-hmm. But then he would also go into and say, well, you know, at, at the very least, you can meditate. Mm-hmm. You can also meditate. And so there's this sort of uh, one way of looking at Buddhism is to say, well, you you can as an individual practice. You know, meditation practice, for example, can be seen as very individualistic. You know, I as a solo practitioner am doing practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, a very real and important part of Buddhism. 
right? Um, but that's not the only part of Buddhism. And mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to sort of put that idea of a spectrum on there is to say that mm-hmm. there is this spectrum and there's part of Buddhism which is very individualistic, mm-hmm. but there's also this other part which is very community-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and different Buddhisms, I think, would fit in different places on that spectrum or it'd be, uh, right, right, it'd be right, even right. in you know, more than one place at a time, right? I mean, right. the most staunch individualistic Zen practitioner who only does Zazen and nothing else I'm sure occasionally goes to Wazendo with other people. So there's this definitely, a, a, you know, you can be in more than one place on that spectrum. Or eat together in the um, right. cafeteria. Right. right. And it, but so it seems to me from the Shin point of view, though, the, and Shin Buddhism seems to me much more on the community side. Yeah, that's, which is interesting because that's <laughs> a lot of the questions that we've gotten are people who are interested in Shinshu but are not near a community. Yeah. So what can they do? Are they screwed? <laughs> are they, do, or do they have to form a community where they are? Do they have to uh, right. find a community, go to a community? Or? Right, and I think this this raises the question of what it means to practice, mm-hmm. of what Buddhist practice, what specifically Shin Buddhist practice means. Um, and I think that the answer to that question then would would be how you would go about responding to somebody who is far removed from a Shin community. Right, right. Um, I was just reading a, um, a, a minister's blog, uh, not an American minister, but a different. Um, from somewhere else in the world, um, and in in his in this this one post, he sort of in an offhand way said that Shin practice is really listening to the Dharma, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that's the core Buddhist practice or Shin Buddhist practice. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a common yeah. common um, uh, saying. But then, what does that mean? Right, right. Like, how do you listen to the Dharma? Do you need mm-hmm. to listen to the Dharma in a community? Does right. listening do you have to, to listen Dharma, to a minister? Listen to a minister? Do you listen to other right. practitioners? Do you have to, is reading books or, you know, reading information online, does that count as, as listening to the Dharma? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I, you know, I think a good question to, mm-hmm. a good conversation to have. Well, and so, so that's an interesting uh, perception, right? That Jodo Shinshu seems very community-based. But at the same time, in a way, it's very individual. Because you can't tell other people what to do. You can't tell other people you're doing this wrong, you're, or, you know, that you should do this a different way or something, right? That, that at the same time in, in, in Shinshu, I think that there are very much uh, recognitions that the work is to be done here in me, right? That it is uh, my pursuit of the path is what's important not telling other people what they should be doing or or and, that, and that's not what community means right but that um and you know we can point to um well there's a kind of obscure saying from shinran that, that i i understand now that the vow was made for me shinran alone and so that's used to justify all kinds of stuff i don't i really don't know what he means by that uh but one way to look at it would be that i am the object of amida buddha's compassion that in a way I am very important. <laughs> right? That 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 you know, that my life has meaning, right? That my life has value, uh, and that it's about me in a way. And it's not about me being great or me being perfect or me being um, better than everyone else, but it's about me working out my birth in the pure land or working right, out right. my entrusting in Amida Buddha or working out which my have, place on the path. Which could have nothing to do with the community. Right. Right. And that's where I almost feel uh, optimistic in a way for people who can't get to community. Because what we find a lot of the times is that in these established communities here on the West Coast, 
many, many, many of the members are don't really care about the spiritual side. They only come for bizarre. Uh, they only, you know, they 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 almost brag about not coming to temple. Um, you know, oh yeah, my kids. You know, when my kids stop coming, I, I stop going. They have they feel kind of guilty about it, but at the same time, it's kind of it's almost like a like a um, right a of challenge <laughs> or something. You know, um, whatever. You know, there could there are obviously many many reasons for that, but but I don't think the community is necessarily the answer either. Yeah, certainly not the traditional communities that we have here. And that, that's not to put down the temple communities because they're amazing people in there and they put so much effort into the temple you know many people but those numbers are dwindling it's not carrying on for generation to generation for the most part um, although there are exceptions but i would say the rule is that the you know as we go down generations that they're not um putting in the effort into their the, the church community um like before uh, and then as the the landscape changes the social landscape changes it's almost like um, shouldn't we be putting effort into our greater community too, and not only into our our um, our church community? So, so th- this is all you know, ranting about um, you know some of the issues of community. But I, I really think that um, thinking about this topic has made me realize that in a way, maybe um, it's a good thing for the solo practitioner of Jodo Shinshu, because the work isn't necessarily to be done in the temple. The work is to be done in your daily life. You don't exist in a vacuum, right? And that, that the work that you do, the spiritual work that you do or the reflection that you do or is uh, in the context of everyday life, not the, the, the nice, comfortable life of the temple, right? So that, uh, so that in a way, maybe um, kind of like Robert Aiken, but we can, you know, as a minister, I can, you know, talk to these people and be like, oh, yeah, let's, let's engage in dialogue. And, you know, the issues that you come up with in your daily life, let's talk. And um, hopefully that's both of us listening to the Dharma and trying to figure out, you know, what this means to us in these circumstances. And that the lack of a temple community isn't necessarily a dead end, you know, an absolute problem. You know, and that it's not that you have to find, uh, get to a BCA temple or something. You know. I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to challenge you okay i'm gonna challenge myself but you go first (laughs) well no i agree with you almost entirely um but i guess i also feel like something to go back to the you know scientific rationalism secular humanism the the another thing to think about is that as human beings i think we're necessarily social creatures Mm -hmm. you know we're a social primate we we tend to seek out other people and to create social connections with them and obviously there's some challenges in long established temple communities and that's probably true regardless of the tradition you're talking about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we can you know work on those but i think that we should still encourage uh more community building mm-hmm. not necessarily isolated communities but i think that there can be a lot of value in having a community of practitioners and having a group of people no matter how big or small uh to really support and supplement that practice. One one way I like to think about it is that um, you can use your experiences in that community in the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you think about practice in terms of the sort of literal meaning of that word, um, practice is something that you do in order to get ready for something else. So you can mm-hmm. look at your time within the community as practice for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. That's a sort of analogy there. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't really solve the problem of the solo practitioner or the person who lives at a distance. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I also think that it's, I think it might be an opportunity. <laughs> As you're saying, like, I don't think what, what you're saying about, like, how you're not sort of encumbered upon by a pre-existing established community and, and somebody who's at a distance is sort of free to work on their own stuff um, without, you know, the, the oppressive hierarchy <laughs> or, or whatever the, the problems might be. Um, but I also, you know, I, I, I wonder, I think about how the, the history of Shin Buddhism in Japan and how, you know, in the, in the early formative years, it, there, was, there was no organization. There was just a series of loosely connected uh, dojos, right, mm -hmm. of way places, of places where people got together and there was no sort of hierarchy of ministers and ministers' assistants and, and tokudo and, and honganji and the whole thing, right? None of that was there. Of directors, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. None of that was there. It was just sort of these loosely affiliated uh, small groups of like-minded people. Um, it seems to me like we could see the beginnings of that in, you know, these parts of the United States that have not had a large number of Shin Buddhists historically. Mm -hmm. People who are suddenly interested in Shin Buddhism who live in, you know, deep in the heart of Texas or in the middle of nowhere, Montana, you know, oh, here's a group of people who are interested in learning more about Shin Buddhism. So start a dojo, like start your own community, mm -hmm. you know, sort of independent of the pre-existing hierarchy, mm -hmm. which probably you know, scares a lot of people who want to control everything, but, you know, right, right. we're not worried about them. <laughs> in other words, to sort of take the initiative, you know, to create your own community, really, mm -hmm. um, in addition to all of the independent individual uh, self-work that you're doing, you know, I think it's possible to start, you know, your own community. We need, we need a charismatic leader. <laughs> to, to go around promoting Shin Buddhism to, you know, the masses. <laughs> well, and, you know... <laughs> Travel around like Renryo and setting up a... <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think in a way, if we look like the Northampton Shin Sangha um, kind of formed around Reverend Professor Tai Uno, mm -hmm. um, who didn't set out there to do that, right? And yet... Uh, through just his being there and lecturing and being a professor, uh, you know, people with those interests had a focal point. And yeah. maybe that's the hard thing. That's the difficult thing when you're on your own is that you're learning. So it's difficult for the, the learner to be the focal point. Right. Right. And it, it makes it easier definitely to have um, an expert available, right, an expert around, expert quote-unquote, you know, but um, whether it's a minister or whatever, um, I think yeah. that that helps and that it is, you know, I don't want to downplay the difficulty um, of, you know, starting a community or being on your own. Um, and uh, of course, I'm speaking from the perspective of having been there, having been isolated and having an interest in Shin Buddhism and it taking several years to finding Uno Sensei, who happened to be nearby, uh, and then coming out to California to become a minister and to, to, to pursue the path in that way. And, you know, it was difficult. It was interesting. But I remember going to um, the New York temple and there was a lot of mixed emotions there, I think. In one way, it was kind of frightening. And, you know, you know it was like going into an unknown place. Uh, and yet it was really cool, too. You know, wow, it's a temple. This is really neat, you know, and they have the books and there's incense and chanting and everything, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, okay. That is a big part of it. Yeah. Right? And so if you don't have any exposure to that at all, um, 
maybe that's a, a, a major piece that's kind of missing. Um, so, you know, maybe or maybe not, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it was nice, though, to come out to, you know, I, went, I came to a graduate school, of, you know, based on this stuff and was able to, you know, meet other followers, uh, but also meet other teachers. And, and uh, you know, a teacher is really important, someone that you can trust and that you can ask questions to uh, and that hopefully you can interact with more than just through email. Yeah. Uh, and yet uh, that, you know, kind of like people writing letters to Robert Aitken, um, prob- you know, Maybe emails to whoever, you know, could be a, if, if that person is comfortable writing email and comfortable um, interacting in that way is, is a huge uh, uh, potential, has, has huge potential. I mean, that's Renyo too, with Renyo's letters. You know, all those letters were written to people who weren't right with him. If they were right with him, they talked to him. Yeah, yeah. You know, but these are people from communities far away. So they wrote, wrote him and he wrote back and they read those letters to people because there was all this spiritual guidance in them, you know, so... Um, yeah, yeah. I think that that's there's there's some, some important stuff there. I think that having you know when you were talking about coming to California and having a being in a, in a, a larger community and, and all that other kind of stuff that can be really supportive and inspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's why I, my brain keeps going back to you know finding community wherever you are. You know. It, whether it's an actual community or through email or through other avenues, I think that having uh, any kind of community is helpful because that gives you support. I think particularly if you're, you know, if you're by yourself in an area that, you know, you're like the only Buddhist for five counties, that can be right. hard because you're really the outsider, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so to be able to connect with people, whether it's, you know, the other, the only, the only other Buddhist in the same County, um, or through, you know, email through letters or whatever else, I think that can be supportive and inspirational to help you, you know, sort of stay true to your, your chosen path. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think it's important to find other people, Mm -hmm. however one can do it. Mm -hmm. And with someone that I know, um, I think he's in Arkansas. And uh, we've known each other for several years now, only by internet, you know, through um, Facebook and Live Journal and that kind of thing. Uh, but he is very interested in Jodo Shinshu. Uh, and I don't think there are any other Jodo Shinshu people around him, but there are other Buddhists. Yeah. And there's a Vietnamese temple. So he goes to the Vietnamese temple and participates in their rituals. And Vietnamese Buddhism is Mahayana, has some pure land elements, some meditative elements, you know, mm-hmm. monastic elements, all different kinds. Um, and they also have a Dharma group that gets together, I guess, which is sometimes two or three people. And they're all different, all have different interests. Uh, and yet they practice together. Right. And so it's kind of, that's an interesting model. Yeah, and maybe that's yeah. a fairly powerful, um, important model. Um, it, it's hard for us, me, maybe, and maybe for some of my, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? compatriots, <laughs> fellow ministers, I was going to say partners in crime. Colleagues. Um, colleagues, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, Maybe difficult for us to say, oh, no, 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 Jodo Shinshu is the only one. You know, all those other Buddhists, they don't get it. You know, you should be doing this one. Um, I, I, I don't think I feel that way for the most part, but um, I can recognize sometimes those feelings coming out. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it, it requires a kind of... Uh, confidence in your own thing to be able to accept that other people are doing something different, you know. But to me, if 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 you're if it allows you to practice, kind of a honen approach, right? Whatever it takes to allow you to be able to practice, good. Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That we shouldn't be holding to something. No, it has to be this way. 
It has to be a sanctioned BCA temple, or it has to be right. Jodo Shinshu, Nishi Honganji, right, or or whatever. You know, um, that that I would hope that we would have openness um, in dialogue and um, a trust of each other to. Uh, yeah. allow these kind of... Um, uh, and I think ultimately that's really good. I mean, you know, the, the social historian in me knows that this is all sort of made up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, religious institutions and practices change over time, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and these kinds of groups, like these folks in Arkansas, might, you know, uh, end up infusing the traditional hierarchy out here on the West Coast with new ideas mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. different approaches that, you know, we... You know, if we get too attached to the way we do things here and into sort of strict or whatever in our in our way of doing things, we might lose sight of being able to adapt to new changes. And so having fresh insight from these distant people might be really beneficial to us as well. And, and being open to change, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm.